If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are having a special guest, a good friend of mine who has been on the show before, but we're super excited to have him back. Uh, Eric Upchurch, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? I'm really glad to be back and share new things and catch up. Awesome. So this is, a, I was just talking to Eric before we hit record, and this is an awkward show for me because I am, I've changed my setup. So there's a camera in the middle that I'm staring at and I can see a little bit of Eric's face over here <laughs> in the peripheral. So it's taken some uh, time for me to mentally adjust. So if you, if you're watching the video and you see me look off in the corner, it's uh, so I can look at Eric's face when I'm talking to him. Yeah. Eric, don't, don't look, don't look too closely at my face. You might be better <laughs> off if we just do it this way. Anyway, <laughs> you can focus. So uh, Eric, what brings you back, man? I saw you posted. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess for our listeners that don't know you, um, give a little bit of a background about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I am a special operations uh, army veteran. Um, I served in um, 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment um, all six years of my time in the military, deployed five times, Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and bought a house in I'll just kind of summarize. I, I bought a house, the VA loan, which most veterans do, became an accidental landlord, like most veterans do, um, moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area, where my wife was from, uh, after I ETS or got out of the military, and was just kind of looking around to see what I could do better with the rental that I still had in Georgia. And uh, went to a seminar, started living, flipping in the in the Bay Area, making really good money doing that, dragging my family around in tow. Uh, we live and flip three times in the Bay Area and uh, made good money and started investing as an LP, a limited partner, passive investor in multifamily, did one deal because I had a buddy who was doing it. And um, and then I said, well, I don't know that there's anything stopping me from doing that. So, uh, you know, so, like any athlete would or anyone who wants to learn something and do well, I hired a coach and I took action. And as a military guy, man, I can follow an SOP. You put a, a, a list of bullet points and checklists in front of me and assign some homework, I'm going to get it done. So um, that was about four, four and a half years ago. And um, yeah, now we're doing multifamily deals, storage deals, mobile home parks. Um, and who knows? Sky's the limit. But really, the reason, uh, Sterling, you know, the reason I'm on for part two here is I wanted to talk and kind of, you know, give a little bit of insight now that I'm a, several years in since our last uh, podcast about passion and purpose. And, you know, it applies to the military community, but also and, and veteran community, but also to um, first responders, to athletes, um, anyone transitioning from something that's, uh, you know, kind of high speed, so to speak, um, team oriented, um, and even people who have experienced trauma, which could be none of those above that I listed. Um, and so passion and purpose in real estate investing is something I've become very passionate about. And I think I have some great solutions that people need to hear. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'd, I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to hear you elaborate on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, ultimately, 
came to be in my path that um, as I started doing things that my coaches were telling me, like create vision boards and, you know, start putting people and things around you that are going to inspire you. And don't be scared about having, you know, big goals and aspirations. And and one of my mentors said the the saddest day in his life was when he had achieved the most amazing goal of his entire life that he had been he had been living for for decades which was a multi-million dollar mansion with a 20-foot swimming pool, you know, like waterfall he's, and He told the story on this show a couple yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> dude. So so man, I so but the problem is he didn't have a goal behind the goal. It's mm. the saddest day of his life, right? So other than losing $50 million, I'm sure that was a sad day too, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, so knowing kind of listening and taking it all in and kind of really being introspective with, uh, with my life. And I emphasize life there because I'm sitting here breathing. I'm, I, because I'm breathing, I need to find passion and purpose, I think I'm here for a reason. I think everyone listening to this show is here for a reason. And sometimes we get caught up in like, you know, the mundane stuff of life. If you do that with intention and passion and purpose, it becomes a lot more than just doing it for the money. And the money's going to come. If you just stick with it long enough, the money's going to come. You and I both know that. But if you can give back, your heart is going to be fulfilled, not just your pocketbook. Uh, and you know, when your pocketbook is fulfilled and filled, you can give in a big way. Um, and in fact, you know, what, on my vision board, one of the things that I have up there is give one million dollars annually. I, I'm looking at it right now. I look at it every day. End veteran homelessness this decade is on my vision board. And how would I give away a million dollars? I, I got to have a million dollars to give away, right? So. So those types of things. And, and and when I got started in multifamily year one, I said, my goal is 800 units. Really my goal at that point, because I was like following bigger pockets and just trying to like tiptoe in. My goal was actually eight that year in 2018. But I was like, what if, and I just read, uh, if some, some of your listeners are going to laugh at this, I just read the 10X rule at Grand Cardone. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, geez, like what happens if I just add a couple zeros to that? And what happened was I started building partnerships and closed, we closed 571 units uh, that first year. Now, um, the numbers don't matter. You and I both know that the numbers don't matter on that because if you own a sliver of 571 units, but uh, I owned 100% of eight units, yeah, maybe I'm I, making more from those eight units, right? I, I've said that a million times and yeah. it, drives me, it drives me nuts in the industry how often people will walk around and tout their units. I'm like, dude... I'm yeah, I'm, but, I'm but in a 300, 370 unit and I'm in a 54 unit and I make more money off the 54 unit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so what what I want to explain about that and people when people ask, you know, that and because you hear people talk about that, all that is, all door count is is a metric of experience. It has nothing to do with how much money you make. Mm -hmm. So if you have 300 unit deal and a 54 unit deal. You've got 354. I mean, obviously you have more than that. I'm just saying like you have 354 units in this scenario. And that is experience with different property managers and different sizes of assets and different locations of assets, different lenders, different lawyers, different investors, different investor types. That is experience. So when I talk about units, I could care less if I have been a, a general partner on thousands of units. What matters to me is that 
I am participating, I'm learning, I'm growing. And with that, we have two arms, one to be pulled up by the people around you as you expand your network and two to pull people up with you as you learn something. And I love that part of this game. I love that part of this industry. So networking is critical and super important to me. So why, why do I choose to syndicate and scale? Because my passion and purpose is to reach people. I need to know more people. I need more people to know me and my brand and not everyone's going to like me or my brand and that's okay, but I want to be able to serve people. Um, and so kind of getting back to the passion and purpose thing. Um, I serve with the memory and pride of those who've gone before me for they love to fight, fought to win and would rather die than quit. Um, I buried six of my brothers, um, and we lost 19 in combat, um, or to suicide. Actually, the first burial I had was to suicide. Uh, and that was an additional detail. It wasn't a funeral, a funeral, like my MOS in the military was not a funeral pallbearer or something. You know, that was an additional duty. When someone, we lost someone, I had to go to their hometown. One of the hardest things I've ever done is fold a flag over my friend while listening to his mother cry and, mm -hmm. and trying to maintain my military bearing, meaning not cry myself and having to do that and hold it in. So now, you know, guys like you and I, your listeners, we go out there now and we try to crush it in real estate and we get in this grind mode of like, I need to make more money and I need to do these things where we oftentimes, me included, get lost in that impact piece. Mm -hmm. Where, where can I make a difference in my community? You don't have to go and change the world. Make your neighbor smile, go change, mm -hmm. go change, go, you know, go bring your neighbor's garbage cans in for them, something small. And, and, and what that does is makes you think just like adding a zero to your number that when you smile at somebody, it adds a zero to your karma meter, call it whatever you, yeah. whatever you want to call that, but, but it, it allows people into your life. And when you do that, you can change more lives. So I'm, I'm really, really passionate about helping people figure out what's more and, and the way that dovetails into my life is, you know, we have a military community of real estate investors um, with our company, Active Duty Passive Income. And we're almost 70,000 members now and about to be 7 million. We are about to absolutely explode right now. We're, we're This is our sixth year in business um, and we're hitting the national stage. So um, the impact there is you've got military members transitioning by the millions, hundreds of thousands, always. It's a constant cycle. And whether you're an athlete or military member or first responder or someone who's experienced trauma or team, like I mentioned earlier, you, you'll relate to what I'm about to say. You had it all. You had that, you had that, that endorphins and the, the adrenaline, the teamwork, the camaraderie. You had everything kind of handed to you. You knew where to be and what, what to do when and you get out. You don't have any of that anymore. Your body inherently is seeking that same stuff. I need that same chemical balance. What's going on? But your physical surroundings don't support that anymore. People don't care anymore. You're, and, and man, athletes can really relate to this. And, and cops. My dad's a cop and still trying to figure, <laughs> figure this out mm -hmm. in his old age. Um, but if you have a passion and purpose, this is how this ties in. Veterans can stop killing themselves. The reason that we're killing ourselves is because we don't know where we're headed next. 
It's like, it's a complete imbalance, a chemical imbalance of like actually seeking cortisol, seeking adrenaline, seeking dopamine and all of the, you know, serotonin, the attaboys mm. that you're no longer getting. You don't even know that you're lacking them anymore. You're just kind of moving on through life. But the, the impact that it has is like hitting a brick wall. So veterans get out, first responders stop serving, um, athletes stop playing the game, and they lose their identity. They lose passion and purpose. So, and that leads to self-destructive behavior. It leads to alcoholism. It leads to spousal abuse. It leads to divorce. It leads to ruining relationships. Um, and if you have something to move to, for me, it was real estate and helping veterans transition. Man, you can do amazing things. You can change lives, including your own. So I'd never heard it described that way. I, I Obviously, it's it's very public knowledge that there is a suicide problem within the veteran community. Yeah. I always just assumed that it was PTSD related and trauma related. But what you're saying is there's people that never even went through the PTSD, maybe combat stuff and and still face those challenges and there's still that type of mental health issue with them yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, they're calling it traumatic brain injury, TBI more and more. And I actually donated my brain, um, so to speak for some studies at Stanford, um, you know, some ele electromagnetic stimulation and stuff because I was diagnosed with PTSD, uh, and TBI from, um, from percussion, basically from mortars and things like that. Sure. Um, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't have to be like, um, an explosion or a death or something like that. The, 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 uh, and I'm no scientist here guys, but I, I know enough about the subject to, to at least glean a little bit into it. Just the, uh, just like cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which can inflame things in your body, including your brain. Make, make you fat. That, that, that no, yeah, not make you fat. But think about your brain getting fat and what it, I, what does I it thought, do? I it, it'll swell and cause I think damage. I think cortisol is what's responsible for like, like making you like giving you extra belly it, fat. Like it can't. So, so it, yes, in a way, basically cortisol, if you're stressed, your body's going to conserve, your body's mm -hmm. going to go, Oh, I need to store some fat because something really terrible is happening right now. You know, really like biologically, we don't, we don't necessarily need that. Like we used right. to, you know, right. when we were trying to survive 10,000 years ago, like you'd wake up in the morning. This is why we could get into like intermittent fasting. Like people didn't wake up and go, I'm going to go make some bacon and eggs and that. I'm going to go pour some lucky charms. They, we'll they would the eat. next eight hours. They, they, they would, yeah, exactly. Something. They'd wake up and they'd be like, Oh shit, I'm going to get eaten by a saber tooth tiger right now. Like, so heightened awareness, cortisol, fear, and, and, and scrutinizing what they're doing every day. And then maybe by 1 PM or 3 PM, they get a meal and then that's it. And so we're kind of, biologically, we're still there. Technologically, we've advanced far beyond that. And so we still have these same impulses, these same chemical releases that are happening in our biology and our core, but, um, but it's affecting us in different ways because of the things that we do now, you know, because of technology and because of war and, you know, legal needs and protection and all this other stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting concept. And, um, and so I'm glad, I hope your listeners can see now that it's not PTSD. It's not like I got shot at and now I'm going to go kill myself. Right. It's, I just lost. And, and, and honestly, here's a, here's another, uh, point that I ha must drive in. You don't see it happening. 
Sure. You don't go one day, you're like, man, I'm depressed. And, oh, you know, I think it's because I saw my buddy die. And, you know, it's a, you don't control it. You don't control those days where you're sitting there going, I'm better off not being here. I don't matter. I've had days where I'm sitting in traffic in Los Angeles in a, you know, minivan, a rental, just doing the W-2, hating it and going, what? I am the most insignificant human being. I'm an ant in the history of time. In this 100-year period of all of eternity of life, what I'm doing right now does not matter at all. And I got sick of it. And if you, a veteran or athlete or real estate investor who had a team and doesn't have one now or is transitioning from single to multifamily or multifamily to single family, and you're having having an identity crisis of some kind, recognize that your body is going to react. And so if you, if you have more than investing, you know, you have a why I said my why, which is to serve those who are no longer here. I, I will endure pain, learn new things, grow my reach and tell people about them because they're not here anymore. And and one way I do this and I, I, I uh, posted this recently, but um, people have said other people use this. I think they probably, somebody's probably trademarked it by now, but do hard things. Yeah. Um, I recently competed in a 70.3 Ironman with zero training, no swimming, no running, no biking. And you did it faster than me. And I trained my ass off for the ones I did. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, and I had never done a triathlon. I'm in good shape. I I, I have to say, I, I, I have a coach. Um, a virtual, an online coach. So I, I, I do, I'm trying to get in the best shape of my life. I'm 42 years old and, um, I'm trying to, you know, uh, make sure that I stay fit for a long time. So generally healthy, but I, the only cardio I do is walking on the treadmill. So mm-hmm. first time I ever swam in a wetsuit was when I jumped into this triathlon is this, this half Ironman. So, um, so, but someone on the, on the bus from the start line to the, to, from the finish line to transition one where the start line was asked me what my specialty was. And I just immediately said grit. They were expecting me to say, Oh, my swim is so strong. No. Um, and 60% of the way through every single event, the swim, the bike and the run, I wanted to quit. (laughs) My, my swim was 56 minutes. It was terrible. I hate cold water. It was 57 degree water. Um, uh, wetsuits mandatory, colder than the Pacific Ocean. And I cannot stand since Na- I went to Navy SEER school and and had to get uh, wet and cold. And I cannot stand cold water now. But I overcame fear and I did it. And I just said, this is one moment in time, one small moment in time where my brothers and sisters would love to feel this cold. And then on the bike, I'm 38 miles in, I'm, I'm riding a street bike, don't even have a tri bike. And my legs are just really close to cramping up. If I, if I stand up to stretch them out, they feel like they're about to cramp. So I sit back down. I, I actually uh, rode no handed, not to show off, but because the pain was so intense in my legs, I had to use my, my arms and I was attempting to use my tricep muscle to push my thighs down yeah, on every yeah. pedal instead of, instead of my legs. Um, 
because you can only pull up so long before your hamstrings start to tighten up too. So, uh, and then getting off a 56 mile bike ride, uh, after a 1.2 mile swim and bike ride that, that transition to the run mentally was misery sitting down for a second to put on my shoes, my running shoes, starting to cramp up and going, I can't cramp up. I got 13.1 miles to run. That that's grit. And just going out there and going left foot, right foot, the pain that I'm going through right now. And I I want you, if you're listening to this, to just correlate um, my pain in this scenario to your pain, your growing pains in learning how to invest in real estate or your growing pains in anything you want in life. It's painful, but the payoff, you want the payoff to project some kind of impact on your passion and purpose. And when it does, you'll be able to push through. So I just think of my brothers and sisters, my, the brothers that I buried, man, this is this would be their best day. They're not here right now. They can't feel this pain. I can feel it for them. And I'll be damned if I'm going to quit. No way. So when people have a passion and purpose, you can do amazing things. If you're going through life and you don't have one identified, get one. And the way you'd get one, because I know somebody was like, okay, well, how do I find one? Smarty pants. You know, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Go try stuff. Go horizontally. Do a bunch of things that you've never done before. It could be a triathlon. That's not related to real estate investing. But that made me stronger in my investing because I know how to persevere. Maybe you can volunteer. Um, I I just spent some time. We donated some houses to Veterans Community Project. And I just spent some time in Longmont, Colorado, just north of Denver, um, on a build day. And we went out and, and, um, and spent time, spent the whole day building the houses that we donated. And it was impactful to me to see that it's a real thing, that we're going to change dozens of veterans' lives for, for generations to come, hundreds. Um, and that leads to kind of my bigger passion and purpose. So so step by step, right, guys? I, I said, you know, I'm in real estate and I'm in, I'm in the military community and we've got this this amazing platform. And I can dovetail those two together. Veteran homelessness, which is a national crisis, 32,000 homeless veterans out there right now who don't deserve to be homeless. And these aren't the veterans that are happy being homeless. There are those veterans. They are not helpable. They do not want help. They will never seek help. Um, These are the veterans who are transitioning from one job to the other, lost their job, uh, just got divorced, don't have a place to live. Um, Many of them have jobs, don't have a home. 32,000. Thankfully, in the last two years, that's gone from 38,000 to 32. So an 11% reduction. Um, But this is a solvable problem. It's one that I am not going to give up on. And it's one that we can we can absolutely get done this 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 decade. So we're going to we're going to do it. Awesome. So I like to talk, you can tell. Oh, yeah. shortage of words here. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the type of real estate investing you've been doing lately. Yeah. Well, um, I've been investing in, well, we've gone, I'll talk about a couple. We've, we've gone full cycle on a, a few deals now. Um, we bought and sold a, an 80 unit asset in the last couple of years. Uh, that was our first deal that we did in 2019. We bought and sold a 71 pad mobile home park. Um, and then you know, we took two years off. It took about 18 months ish, maybe off 
while COVID was going on and just operated the hell out of the assets that we owned. Uh, yeah. uh, wasn't out there actively looking for some sweet deal or something. I was like, well, we, we have tenants right now. We need to make sure that they pay. We have investors. Like, let's, let's do the right thing here. Right. Um, and then it started picking up again. Uh, this year we've, uh, purchased some storage actually late last year, about a year ago, started buying more storage. So we have, uh, several storage facilities in Alabama and Texas, and we're closing more in the next 60 days. Why storage? Uh, storage is, uh, well, you hear the, you hear the kind of cliche, oh, no tenants and toilets, right? Um, so there's some truth to that, but also one thing that's appealing to storage about storage is, uh, depending on who you're buying from and you seek out a, uh, uh, an owner that has had it for, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years or longer even, and they are operating these assets with, you know, Bob sitting in the front office selling boxes for four ninety nine, and um, and having people fill out paper leases, and um, it's so it's super inefficient, and you don't need Bob or Joyce sitting in the office anymore. So, one of the things that we're able to do is reduce payroll uh, considerably, remove so turn um, man manned facilities into unmanned facilities. Uh, is is kind of value add, premier value add for these assets. And they've got to be the right asset uh, for sure. But most of them fit into that category because we've got great software. Um, you can have a 1099 uh, employee go and, you know, take a leaf blower to one of the units or sweep it out and throw a lock under the door and it's done. There's no repainting, throwing carpet back in, fixing the fixtures, none of that. Um, so give you an example, this, uh, there's a deal that we're working on right now. Uh, we're able, we're going to be able to reduce payroll by $360,000 per year at a six cap. That is a $6 million valuation <laughs> increase, probably over the first three to six months as we stabilize the asset. Oh, wow. So $20 million acquisition. Six million dollar value increase just from that one value add piece. Nice. Yeah. Now, so, how, so, so that's one is, one thing. How big is that facility? Is that that? Like uh, it's it's, it's nine. It's nine facilities. It's okay. uh, it's like four hundred thousand square feet. Nine facilities, um, over s several several cities, uh, in Texas. Awesome. Yeah. And you're just going in with the smart software on all of them and just kind of eliminating payroll. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. You can't eliminate payroll altogether because you'll still, you'll still count, you know, the, the peep, the property manager technically who still has to come and do little things, but, uh, you know, going from 420,000 to 360,000 in payroll. So it's a massive reduction and in, in increase in NOI. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's one. And then, and then, um, a lot of these units will also come with, uh, land, you know, you think of where storage facilities are located. Nor a lot of them, many of them are located on the outskirts of town type of thing, or in maybe an industrial type of area or very commercial area. And there's adjacent parcels of land. So a lot of the units that we're looking at, um, this is like, this portfolio is like 25 acres total. And, um, a, a few acres of that is additional land. And so building steel structures for RV 
and throwing down gravel, huge demand. And people who want to store RV, I mean, I know I, I, I store my RV, um, they will drive farther than someone who just wants to store stuff. Right. So your ability to reach more people is greater because a lot of storage facilities don't have parking. So, so RV boat parking, um, and, and actually a couple of the assets, there's two billboards for additional revenue. There's two cell towers on property. That's cool. Uh, those are massive leases. Um, and then, uh, even commercial retail, there's a, there's a, uh, tattoo parlor on one parcel. So yeah, so, some interesting scenarios. And I, I, that's one thing I love about real estate is like, there's so many cool like things. Like we bought an asset, uh, earlier this year in Galveston that has a, a rooftop restaurant overlooking the ocean. Nice. It's a five-story, uh, storage facility with a restaurant on the roof and, and like event center. Super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Triple net money. So what is the future? You got a you got another show coming up here soon. Oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah. What is what does the future look like? Are we staying in? Before we get there, one thing I've kind of liked about the um, and I and I've never done self storage mostly just because I've got self storage has always been on that like long list of oh yeah if I had time I'd love to do that mm-hmm. but but I try and get myself out of the shiny red ball because you know I got real yeah. properties I'm flipping houses I'm doing apartments yeah. and if I you know. Every time I take on too much stuff, I start to suck at everything. So, yeah. So it's all my, I'm going to, I got to take something else off my list before I add something new to it. But yep. I always uh, love the idea of storage facilities because of the like, the lack of like a political risk, right? Like you look at, you look at like um, New York and California yeah. and kind of like how you don't want to really be a landlord in those states. And because, you know, you, you give a non paying tenant, you're looking at a year getting out. And, and that that kind of you know that's kind of spreading uh, you know to other areas, and so you always kind of you know you try and buy in areas that tend to be more landlord friendly as a as a landlord, and you're like, but yep. what if it changes? But like nobody's really getting emotional about people's extra shit, right? Like you know what I mean? Like nobody like there's a there's a big like humanitarian movement to like you know and 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 you know rightfully so in a lot of scenarios we all we don't want anybody to be homeless, but like they're there's certainly, you know what I mean? There's a push there, but nobody's going to feel sympathetic about like, Hey, I just got too much extra stuff. And, you know, and the guy that stored all my extra stuff is going up a hundred dollars on the, on the rent. They're like, get out of here with your extra stuff. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you got to follow local laws There's local and state laws for notifying the, the tenants, you know, the technically the tenants of the, of the stuff. Um, but other than that, it is, it is, um, pretty much like you see on the, on the TV shows other than all the drama and stuff, but yeah, it's yeah. cut, cut the lock and, and, uh, auction off the stuff and, you know, make a couple hundred bucks and get rid of the crap, you know? So, yep. Awesome. Pretty nice. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, don't, don't chase uh, shiny objects, do what you're good at and do what you can scale and know. And, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity someday where you're like, all right, I, I'm in between flips, and I've got some money to put into this thing, and you you get into one storage. I mean, that's how that's how you do anything, right? You you're like, sure. okay, I see an entry point. Let me let me try this and see if I like it. And um, if you do, it works out, you know. Absolutely. So what's uh, what's next for you guys? Is, is Man, it more... yeah. So all of that was Eric personal and Eric uh, real estate investor. Um, and the other part of it is active duty passive income, which, um, is, 
a company I co-founded that serves military members. Uh, when we founded it in 2017, Complete Blue Ocean, edu- we're an education company and community. Um, we teach single family investing and multifamily investing for military members specifically and veterans and their families. And um, we hosted uh, ADPI Con in New Orleans this year, which was fantastic, huge success. Um, uh, one of our good friends, a Medal of Honor recipient, was our keynote speaker who is endorsing our our platform. Um, and yeah, we're we're moving forward in a in a very big way, as is kind of all I can say. Uh, without disclosing too much, uh, but have, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the last three years, uh, I've had to have interviewed all of y'all. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last the last uh, conversations we were having, I don't remember which one of you guys I was talking to. I think it, somebody was telling me, I know y'all started a, a Reg A fund. Yeah, starting it. Yep. Yeah, let's talk about it. You said start started and I said starting because yeah, yeah. It, so reg A, uh, so those syndicators out there, you know, or or if you don't know, there's uh there's you can when you're buying apartments, you can fall, you can do a JV structure where you're not raising passive money at all. Everyone's actively involved, or you can raise money from passive investors. Anytime you raise money from someone who is not actively involved in the deer, you must, you must not optional, involve the SEC. You have to fall under an exemption, which is great that they offer a Regulation D 506B or Regulation D 506C offering. Um, That allows you to raise money in certain ways, and I won't get into all that. Um, But you basically, they either have to be accredited or, uh, and there's, if they're accredited, uh, you can, if they're only accredited, you can advertise or a reg a 506B is like friends and family kind of thing, and you cannot advertise. So there's some stipulations in there in order to fall under the exemption. Um, so that allows a non-dealer broker to do deals like we do in syndication. So that's like what 99% of the people out there are doing. Um, then there are people like us crazy folks who decided, well, we've got 70,000 members that are not accredited. So think of a military member. Typically, we're not accredited, meaning we don't make a million dollars a year. Or have a uh, we sorry, we don't have a million dollar million dollar net worth, or have two hundred thousand dollars a year for the last two years and projected in the future. So, uh, unless you're like a, a general or something, right? So, and there's not a whole lot of those in our Facebook group. <laughs> so, um, so we have say we have seventy thousand members, and we want a way for them to invest because they've been asking us for five years. How do we invest with you guys? And we don't have that, and we don't allow solicitation in our group. So there's not a lot of like, yeah, do a deal with us. We don't email them and say, hey, do this deal with us. We don't raise capital in the group, nothing. So in our community. So now we're like, all right, if we do a regulation A, that allows us to break that barrier down. Everything we do is breaking down barriers for military members. The education part, for sure, it's always number one barrier is education, right? You have a mortgage ADPI. company too, right? We have a mortgage company. We have ADPI insurance uh, for a cash flow accelerator. We have um, ADPI Realty, which... We actually, ADPI Realty, we actually educated, we're the subject matter expert for the National Association of Realtors. We redid the NAR military relocation professional MRP designation for realtors because their education needed a revamp. So anytime somebody, you or I, and then you don't have to be military, anybody can go in there, take a course and get the military relocation professional designation, which is like attractive to a military member who's moving. Like, oh, they've got an MRP. They must know military. Well, that education was lacking. So we 
redid that education for NAR, which was a big deal. So, so breaking down those barriers, right? Next level was ADPI capital. We need 70,000 members or 7 million members to be able to invest with us without being accredited and without having $50,000 to invest, which typically is like your bottom threshold on a syndication uh, investment, sure. right? So um, once we get approval by the SEC, because this, the Reg A, you get pre-authorization. You have to get pre-approval, not an exemption. You have to and get scrutinized like you wouldn't believe to get sure. approval um, to, to then raise from non-accredited investors. And you can advertise openly to anyone. And the threshold is $500, which we set. So big opportunity for military members. Once we get approval, it's taken us over a year with the SEC at this point and more than six figures. We'll just put it that way Okay, of our own money to make this happen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, I was interviewing one of your partners a year ago and it was supposed yeah. to be launching. When it was a concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and we're close. We're, we're close and we're, we're excited about, you know, the progress, the SEC is working with us and, um, doing all they can and, and, uh, we appreciate it. So. Awesome. So I want to go into our radio round real quick and you've done this before, but, um, you know, a lot of times your answers change. If you'd, if you'd asked me what my favorite book was at, you know, 10 different times over the last 10 years, you would get 10 different answers. Oh man. So I'll go, I'll go through it again. And then afterwards, I'm going to go dig up your old episode. Cause I'm curious Ooh. if the answer has changed. Probably. Not. Uh, <laughs> the first question is what's your favorite book? Uh, man. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a couple answers. Um, favorite book right now. I bet it's the same. Can't hurt me. Yeah. Um, I just read that. Yeah. Just, um, I haven't read Goggins new book yet. I I'm excited to do that, but, um, yeah, grit grits, my thing. And I can appreciate that about a guy, uh, like David Goggins. So if you haven't read that book, go read, can't hurt me. So you can't put it down. Have you had Goggins on the show yet? I have been in contact with his fiance for many months now. Of course, yeah, yeah. You get all the you get all the good stars. I'm just trying, man. Dude, we're at a conference together. I turn around, you're hugging Shaq. You're like, oh yeah, he's gonna be on next week. I'm like, what the hell? How do you always doing this? And it's that purpose and passion that everybody is attracted to and wants to be a part of. Um, The next question is, what's your favorite quote? I actually got it right here. It's a, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim complete, people will say we did it ourselves. Awesome. Um, consider myself a uh, a leader in, from the military, but also since I was 12 years old. And I love, love, love empowering um, the people on my team, making them better. And um, the only credit... I want from it is to see their growth and success. So that's a Lao Tzu quote. Awesome. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, hike, be outside, do hard things. Nice. Nice. I love it. So where can our listeners find out more about you, get in touch with you, learn more about ADIP, ADPI and um, invest yep. with you guys or get trained from you guys. What's give us yeah, you can else. go. I'm on Instagram at real Eric up church. Cause there's some fake ones out there. I'm sure. Um, if, Eric I Upchurch. A, if I was a fake Eric up church, I would do this. I would say the official Eric, up the official Eric. Upchurch. Maybe I'll have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's probably, probably going to happen someday. Um, 
uh, activedutypassiveincome.com, ericupchurch.com. You can email me, eric at ericupchurch.com. I'm glad to take questions and help people if I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And uh, yeah, man. I always appreciate keeping up with your journey, man. Yes, sir. Thanks, Sterling. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.